Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Well, good morning to you all. Uh, Andy's actually on holiday this week, so he's asked me if I'll uh, stand in for him. So it's a privilege to bring God's Word and share God's Word together. At the church, you've heard it said from Andy at the church meeting, and probably from this pulpit as well, that we stand at a crossroads. We rejoice that this church is full. Those of us that put out, helped to put out the chairs have had to work out imaginative ways of getting more chairs into the church. It's still enabling you to stand up. We're at crossroads. It's right that we have building plans. It's right that we look at church structure. It's right that we review church activity. What has God got for us in this new season at Welcome Baptist Church? We've just had a week of prayer, and it's right that our leaders have led us in that. Let's seek God. What's he saying to us as a church? What's he saying to us as individual members of that body that we call the church? What does that all how are we going to seek God? You know, have you ever considered Paul to be a pastor, not just a writer? Paul, when he was writing to the church at Thessalonia, was so consumed, he yearned to see them. He gives a picture of being in pain because he cannot be with them. I yearn to be with you. He's separated from them for one reason, that they're in persecution. You recall that soon after the church was founded, Paul was hounded out of the city and he longed to return to them. So he sent his, one of his best men, Timothy. He sent Timothy not to look at what their church structure was like, not to look at how they were meeting, but he sent Timothy to look at one thing only. What's the state of their faith? Interesting, isn't it? Pastor Paul was most interested of all in what is the state of the faith of the people that he has left behind in persecution, in experience, running a church. Timothy reported back that actually, in most areas, they're doing really rather well. But that was Paul's concern. I'm going to be looking this morning at Ephesians 4, and most of you will know that that is looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in all aspects of change and renewal, we need to be encouraged by Scripture. I'm going to start with three verses just to put a, a spiritual smile on your face. Remember, Paul didn't have the New Testament. His encouragement came from the Old Testament. And here's two verses from the book of Psalms. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. In Psalm 33, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart throughout all generations. Wonderful promises that Paul was clinging on to when he was talking to his young churches, when he was pastoring them. He wasn't merely the greatest gospel writer of all time. He was a pastor who yearned for his people, 
learn that they will be walking well. So as we look at four verses in Ephesians, let's concentrate on how Pastor Paul is instructing his church. I want this sermon to be an overview of God's provision in gifting. I won't be saying everything about Christian gifting in this one sermon clearly, but I merely want to whet your appetites in this season of renewal. What is God saying to us as a church, as his people, and what's he saying to us as individual people? Sean, you already shared that this morning. God has laid upon your heart the work of ministry amongst the women. That's that's a beautiful example of where we're going to travel this morning. Lottie, when she was leading us in prayer before she did worship this morning, asked that we would bring our gifts to the Lord this morning. And we're going to unpack what that means this morning. So it's it's rather than a church self-help document, we want to be self-yielding an experience out of which Jesus will grow his church. That word yielding is really, really important. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit as he instructs us through scripture, through words, into our hearts that we will, we will really want to engage with the Lord Jesus Christ and the church will grow not in us, but in him. Now, I don't want anyone to leave this church with a burden to do more work, more graft. Rather, a desire to serve in love. That's really, really important. That we serve God out of hearts of love, recognising the gifting that he has lavished upon us. That's really, really important. So let's look at our first verse. This is like a prelude to Ephesians 4. It's Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's three brief things I want to point out in this preparatory verse. First of all, where his handiwork, he's proud of what he has made. Have you ever made anything and been really, really pleased with the results? I hope you have. I stand before you this morning wearing a jacket that my sister made for me, my younger sister made for me. And I'm proud to wear it because it's her level of skill in making this. She's actually a professional, so... But nonetheless, we all do things which we're proud to actually own and have achieved and made. You know, we are God's handiwork. We'll mention this later on, we look at Ephesians 4. But we were made by him. He is pleased with what he has made. We read that in Genesis 1, don't we? He was pleased with what he had done. We are his handiwork. Second point, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Rather self-evident, isn't it? But God has gifted his body for a purpose. The church is to be a light. Again, we had that in our prayers, in our, in our song this morning, that we are to be light. Joanne mentioned her children's talk this morning and the song. We are to be a light unto the nations. That is the purpose of the church. That light shines brightest at its source, doesn't it? 
where it's its source? In Jesus. That's why the church has to be always, always, always in Jesus. What happens to light? It then shines out. It then illuminates. It then illuminates danger. But it also illuminates good. So a ship passing a lighthouse, if it's too close, it's in danger. If it sees and avoids the danger, it's illuminated for the good. The Christian church is to be like that, illuminating to the nations, good and challenging bad. And thirdly, God will work his purpose out in the church, which God prepares, works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want you to notice this morning that's a purposeful work, word. That's a constructive word. It's purposeful. It involves planning. It involves preparation. And we in our Christian lives need to take that on board too. That we're to plan to be good servants of God. We're to plan to be readers of his word. People who want to know what his word is saying to us. People who enact upon it. But otherwise, we read in Corinthians, it's like a loud gong, a sounding cymbal. It's of no real value unless it's rooted in Jesus. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave some to the apostles, the prophets, some evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. But first, let's shine a forensic light on a problem that comes with gifting, and it's jealousy and pride. You know, when Paul was writing to the church in Romans about spiritual gifting, he warned very strongly against this. For by the grace given to me, I say, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed each one of you. You know, pride and arrogance and jealousy can be a terrible thing in church life. I'm going to read you something which uh, I think really sums up what this, these verses are saying. It's from Alistair Begg, and he writes this. In our endeavours to use the gift that God has given, why are we jealous of one another? Why do we let discontentment rob us of our joy? He has freely given offered. Why do we allow what he has done for someone else to build us for what he has done for, for, for us, to blind us by the, something he's done for us? Not least in giving us eternal riches in his presence. Here is truth that we each need to rehearse. God gave me exactly what I require. I am composed exactly as he planned, and all that he has and all he has not given me is for my own good and for his glory. God has made you and he's made me in a purposeful manner. He's given you quite different gifts than he's given me. That's why we have a leadership team, a diaconate, those who serve. They're not all the same. They're all quite different. They're all there that God might accomplish his work 
through his body, which is multiple. It's a really important, and we're to use those gifts. We're not to be jealous one of the other, we're to acknowledge those gifts and use them to his glory. So let's, let's look at six words that illuminate and give us encouragement to enable us to make a way forward. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. First of all, it's an obvious one. He gave. He gave gifts. Now, when I think about gifts, I thought about Christmas. Gentlemen, have you ever looked at the sofa, by side of the sofa, and seen your gifts on Christmas Day? And there's this great pile of socks. <laughs> Sometimes we get gifts which we think, oh dear, either I've got that already, or what on earth do I use that for? I'm sure someone else would benefit from this, and uh, perhaps we take it to the, to the charity shop. <laughs> but the gifts of God are good. They're there to build us up in our faith. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. The gifts that God has given us are there in order that we might build the church. But it starts with the individual, doesn't it? I don't think that God has left anybody out. Why do I think that? Because Scripture teaches it. Scripture teaches that every single person who has received Jesus has received his gifting, the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. The gift that will enable even your natural gifts to be amplified. Have you ever thought about that? Even the natural things that you do and are good at, you can use in God's service. I'll tell you a little story, I hadn't thought about this, but when I was working for Jones and, you know when you first go to a company and you're the new boy and there's a company conference and you break into syndicate groups and the syndicate groups look at the things that were wrong in the company and how they might be addressed. Well, guess who gets given the poison chalice or get, giving the report back? <laughs> well, I did and the IT manager of the company said to me, oh, where did you learn to talk like that? And I made a huge mistake. I said, oh, I, I went to management school for, for a, a year. And I, I learned about presentation there. And then when I thought about it, I thought, no, you didn't, Phil Cole. <laughs> no, you didn't. You learned about that by being a Sunday school teacher, by being given the opportunity to conduct services at church. So I did go back to the IT manager, and I did actually tell him the truth. I'd made a mistake. But God gives gifts, natural gifts that we can use in the church. But this, this verse is really talking about spiritual gifts that God blesses the church with. And spiritual as we grow, we need to engage in. Now, I'm not saying we're not already, because clearly we are. But we need to be aware that in all growth, in all building works, that our eye is not taken off the ball. But the eye of the ball is serving God in our spiritual gifts, in our ministry. Yes, we want to encourage and support those 
for looking at the physical nature of, of growth. But our responsibility, our first responsibility, is looking at what is God saying to us as a church, as individuals. Now be encouraged, because the next part is to equip his people for works of service. I thought I'd look up in a dictionary, the Cambridge Dictionary, what equip means. To prepare someone or something with whatever is needed to deal with a particular situation. God is going to gift this church with the gifts that we need to equip us for this next season, period. Because he's promised he'll do so. He's promised he will do so. He's promised his word he will not leave us as orphans struggling in a sea to drown, but he will be there right alongside us. Guess what our responsibility is? To link in with him. Because so often I can go off walking my own way, no doubt you can as well. But our real charge as we approach this new season is to be walking in step with the Spirit. He next talks about works of service. Now, I'm going to be quite honest with you, I'm a very practical person, and my first sermon notes completely went off on a tangent about what we could do. Do, 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 do. Task, task, task. Because I'm quite task-orientated. And then when I get closer, I noticed the word diakonos, which means to serve in what? To serve in ministry. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about being busy, 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 doing lots of things. He's talking about us serving in ministry. Sean, again, sorry to pick on you this morning, but you used that word. You said, ladies, ministry. I noted it. Because it's an important word. It's a word that should, which would be in all of our spiritual activity here at the church. So it's the children's ministry. It's the youth ministry. Do you get the picture? When we, when we go away from that, we can too often find ourselves doing things that fill our time, that maybe look good. Churches are not there to provide venues for light shows or garden shows or things of that nature. Maybe they had its place, but their prime function is to expound the word of God in ministry. Therefore, everything that we do, and it might be putting on social events, that's good to invite people in. That's good. But what's the objective? The objective has always got to be ministry. Because we're not a club, we're a church of God's people. So the word diaconos is really, really important. It does, doesn't just describe our eight deacons who service. It actually describes the activity of all of us. We're all deacons, those who are in ministry. Those who want Christ Jesus to be their heart, the centre of our lives, that we might share his love and his grace with other people. So Ephesians 4.12, in the English Standard Version, says this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up 
the body of Christ. Maybe that's a better translation than the, than the uh, Revised Standard. This is the ESV. To equip his saints for works of ministry. I'm laboring this point because it's so important. It's so important that everything we do has that characteristic. The work of bringing God's message to people, that's the work of ministry. Our church activity is therefore characterised by ministry, not just by being a really busy, busy place. It's ministry. And of course, our service is to God. Paul goes on in, in his book of the Ephesians, in chapter 6, 7 and 8, serve wholeheartedly as you are serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one whatever good they do. And then we come to building of the body. Now, the body here is the body of Christ. It's all of you joined together. That's why we believe that church membership is important. It's a statement that we want to be together. We want to be committed to the ministry work of this church. It's a purposeful act. We don't build a body by accident. My sister didn't build this jacket by accidentally stitching a few bits of cloth together. It was a purposeful act. There had to be a plan. She would call it a pattern. There had to be a pattern cut to my exact size. That's purpose. Do you get the picture? God had purposed his church and instructed and enabled that we might build together the body of Christ where we are, here in Heathfield, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your college, wherever you might be going. Our, purpose, our principal task is to build a part of a functioning body. No point in building something that doesn't work, is it? Now we need to constantly be reviewing what we're doing, but spiritually, relying on the Lord Jesus Christ to build his church by using a people who are willing to listen, willing to be taught, willing to be purposeful. Then Paul talks about unity, reaching unity in the faith. That's the consequence of a successful church building project, isn't it? I'm not talking about bricks and mortar. I'm talking about a church that is in ministry, building the body of Christ, building it up to serve him out of love, not out of duty, but out of love, building it up into un unity. Now, unity is not uniformity. Think about that. Otherwise, we'd all have the same gift, wouldn't we? So we have to learn, we have to learn to work together, recognising the gifts that each one has been given, recognising the character, the colour of personality that each of us has been given. A few years ago, Andy encouraged all the leaders of the church, and I was one of the leaders at that time, to do a psychometric test. And we learned that we were all very, very different people. But we all learned, actually, we got on very well together. 
because we have one purpose, and that is building the body of the Lord Jesus Christ where we are here at Welcome Baptist Church. Becoming mature. Again, that's an important thing. Maturity involves disciplined learning. You're all here this morning because you want to learn more about what God has to say through his word. That's part of maturity. You are here this morning because you've read your Bibles individually. You are here this morning because you prayed because you want to know what God has to say to you through prayer. You are here because you have a desire to know God better. You are here because you have a desire to support your brothers and sisters in Christ. All these things bring maturity in the body. Thus unity, that we then might grow in maturity. You know, a church divided against itself can't stand. The church where, we, where the people of God are in unity with the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that will grow. It will grow into maturity. I want to point out one very obvious thing that perhaps you picked up already from this sermon, I hope you have anyway, and it's Christ has to be centre. Christ has to be centre. If we're to live in a church that's maturing in faith, Christ is absolutely central. Relationship with him, relationship with what he said in scripture is absolutely paramount. A life of maturity is a closer walk with Jesus, knowing him to be the son of God. It's a good place to end, isn't it? That everything that we do, everything that we seek in this new season has got to be Christ-centred in order that the body might function, in order that we might glorify God. I want you to bow your heads and if you feel comfortable to put your hands out in front of you like this because all of us have been given gifts and it's a symbol that we want to receive gifts from God. And I want to pray over you words that Peter wrote to, in his book. It's chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so on who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God alone provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. And the church together says, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.